Welcome, I'm Rose Aguilar, and this is your call. Animal shelters across the country are overwhelmed with pets that have been abandoned or turned in by owners who can no longer care for them. Inflation and economic struggles have made caring for a pet unaffordable for many. Best Friends, an animal welfare organization, found that there are 100,000 more pets in animal shelters nationwide today than there were in 2021. Shelters are also inundated with large dogs, mostly shepherds, huskies, and pitties. Many families are looking to add a small dog to their family. There's also been a dramatic decrease in adoptions. Lisa Jenkins, program manager with the County of Santa Clara's Animal Care and Control, told NBC Bay Area that they're overflowing at 150% capacity. Now, this is something we don't want to hear, but it just speaks to the seriousness of this crisis. She said, if we don't have the public stepping forward to adopt or foster, we're going to be faced with making euthanasia decisions we have not had to make in the years I've been here. If you would like to adopt or foster a pet, contact a shelter in your area and please spread the word. Many shelters out there are waiving adoption fees. Joining us are two guests. Carolyn Aronow is Vice President of Operations at the East Bay Society for the Prevention of Animal Cruelty, one of the oldest nonprofit shelters in the country. East Bay SPCA opened in 1874 and has two adoption centers in Oakland and Dublin, California. Since 2022, the shelter has had 2,098 animals adopted, 946 animals fostered, and nearly 40,000 pounds of free pet food distributed. Hi, Carolyn. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi there. Thank you for having me today. Great to have you. We're also joined by Dr. Kathy Mills, Chief of Shelter Medicine at Contra Costa Animal Services. In 2022, 6,426 animals were admitted to shelter care, 1,872 were adopted, and 864 were fostered. Over 1,200 were transferred to rescues. With an already crowded shelter and an average daily intake of nearly 20 animals every day, Contra Costa Animal Services is asking for the community's help in getting as many pets out of the shelter through adoption and foster. This month, dogs, cats, rabbits, and guinea pigs at Contra Costa Animal Services are free to qualified homes. A $25 license fee may apply. You can find a list of available animals on their website, which you can find at yourcallradio.org. Contra Costa Animal Services is also in need of dog walkers, cat socializers, and adoption counselors. Hi, Dr. Mills. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have both of you, and thank you so much for the important work you you do. Dr. Mills, let's start off with you. Why are shelters across the country so overwhelmed? Well, thank you for that question. I think it is a variety of reasons. I think there was a uh, dramatic increase in people taking animals adopting animals into their homes during the pandemic. And now we're seeing a number of things that are changing. People are going back to work, finding it difficult to continue to care for an animal, find daycare for an animal, uh, those types of situations. I think that the economic situation, inflation is making the cost of having a pet in your home become unaffordable for people. And that's happened fairly rapidly for all of us um, to see those changes. Carolyn, what would you add? Yeah, absolutely. I think Dr. Mills is spot on with a lot of that. Um, One really interesting thing is that the national data actually doesn't support the narrative that people have adopted during the pandemic, but then are returning. But rather what we're seeing is more people being hesitant to add animals to their family for all the reasons that Dr. Mills just mentioned. Um, The cost of caring for a pet has gone up about 20% since pre-pandemic. And So it's just really challenging for families to think about adding an animal, especially large dogs, to their household, uh, knowing the economic impact of that on their family life. What explains the cost of caring for a pet? Why has it gone up 20 percent? 
Carolyn? Carolyn, do you, do you want me to talk about that? Sure. So, uh, food, the cost of pet food has gone up. I know when I go out to buy food for my animals that it it has even uh, set me back on my heels a little bit to, to look at the increases there. Um, and then there's also an increase in the cost of veterinary care in our area and around the country. And there's lots of factors that go into why veterinary care um, and the costs associated with it have increased as well. Can you talk more about that? We just got an email from a listener who said, in recent years, I've heard from friends how difficult it is to get a vet or afford a vet in the Bay Area. I'm sure this is a big part of why people are not adopting. Thank you for the show. So Dr. Mills, can you tell us more about this? Um, how difficult is it to get a, a vet? Why is it difficult? And then why are the costs so high? So there's a number of factors, and Carolyn, certainly jump in if you've got other information to um, from the clinic there at East Bay SPCA to add. But in the veterinary profession, we're just not producing enough veterinarians in the country for the increase in pet ownership. And so that is one significant problem. We're seeing a lot of retirement from people in the baby boomer generation. Uh, we're seeing people who are burning out in the field. It's a very difficult, difficult profession to be in, very rewarding, but it is also very challenging the number of um, sick, injured animals having to make euthanasia decisions along with owners or here in the shelter with our colleagues. Um, it does take a toll, which is leading to people leaving the profession and we're just not keeping up. And then you've got vet clinics that are facing, as we are here at the shelter, increasing costs of medical supplies, having to pay more to get a veterinarian, to get our nurses, our registered veterinary technicians, and our other support staff. So all of that leads to a business owner having to increase the cost of their services because they are facing increased costs themselves, both for personnel and supplies. Carolyn, what would you like to add? Yeah, absolutely. That's spot on with what we're seeing here. Right now across the country, we're experiencing a veterinary shortage of at least 7,000 veterinarians expected mm -hmm. to go up to 15,000 in the next few years. So it is a bit of a crisis to find veterinarians and keep individuals in this profession. And then with that, the cost of going to a veterinarian, even for basic services such as vaccines and spay and neuter, are quite astronomical for many families, especially in the Bay. So the East Bay SPCA is, is working to help pet owners with that by providing um accessible veterinary care, and we do have financial assistance programs for owners who want to provide veterinary care for their pets but aren't otherwise able to afford it. And even with those programs that East Bay SPCA and other organizations have, this is still something that most pet owners in our area are facing and, and having a bit of a challenge with right now. Well, and if you'd like to find more about that service, you can go to yourcallradio.org. And if you know of other services out there that can help pet owners with some of these high costs, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to share resources. You can give us a call at 866-798-8255. Also, if you have a story about a pet that maybe you had to uh, turn into a shelter or you really would love to adopt, but you are thinking twice because of the high costs, we'd love to hear from you. You can give us a call 866-798-8255. You can also email your call at KALW.org. And if you'd have, if you've had pets for a long time, we'd like to hear about just how the costs have changed over the years and how your ability to get a vet has changed over the years. Just to stay on this issue for a few more minutes, Dr. Mills, Slate had an article by Dr. Andrew Bullis 
who wrote a piece called Our Business is Killing Us. And he writes, until I started working, I never understood why vet medicine has such a high suicide rate. Female vets in clinical practice are 3.4 times more likely to die by suicide than the general population. Male vets are 2.1 times more likely. Three quarters of these deaths come from vets and small animal practices like mine. He writes, there are a number of reasons for this. Poor compensation, crushing expectation of clients, long hours, lack of work-life balance, and isolation from colleagues. But he says the euthanasia really, really gets to us. So this is, sounds like a, a crisis that we need to spend some more time talking about, Dr. Mills. Well, I'll say just hearing you read that just does make me even feel emotional. It's just a very sad situation that we're seeing. And when you've had colleagues that suffer from depression, feel that they need to leave the profession because they are concerned for their mental health and well-being, it really is a crisis that, that we're seeing. And I feel thankful, grateful that I am at Contra Costa Animal Services and with the veterinarians that we have working with us here and my own personal support group that we're able to talk to and support each other as much as possible. But all the things that you listed from that article are very true. Um, we're seeing students um, getting through vet school and coming out as new veterinarians with several hundred thousand dollars in school debt. Wow. They then go several hundred thousand would not be uncommon for somebody through their undergraduate and then their uh, sometimes a master's program, PhD program, or even just going straight into vet school to come out with two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of school debt, and then you go into a profession, and we are often grouped together with physicians and lawyers who tend to generally start out at twice the pay, and our salaries top out much lower. And it does become a situation where that is uh, very difficult for people to manage um, and an additional stressor wanting to do the best for people with their pet who may be very ill, but the owners themselves are facing such difficult financial uh, constraints or difficulties and to be a veterinarian, to know you have access to gold standard medications, diagnostics, treatments, and yet you've got clientele because of lack of insurance is not able to take advantage of those, which can then lead to euthanasia decisions that are difficult. Mm -hmm. And all of that over the course of a career can become very difficult for people. And I think even a lot of new grads find that the profession is much more difficult than they anticipated when they were in vet school. Hmm. Wow. Carolyn, do you have anything to add on that? I think Dr. Mills did a great job covering that. Um, we tend to call those sorts of situations economic euthanasia in the industry. And that really does highlight the fact that these conditions could be treatable, but because of lack of financial resources, we're not able to pursue those treatments. And so while there are programs out there that can help people uh, afford veterinary care, Certainly, it's it's a bit of a Band-Aid on the situation, if you will. So we encourage owners to reach out to their local animal welfare organizations to see if they do qualify for any financial aid. But I think this is a bigger issue that really does need to be spoken about nationally. You know, I just want to share a personal story. Sadly, we had to put down our family dog two weeks ago. He was 15, so he lived an amazing life. But still, it's just so tragic. I probably couldn't talk about this on the air if it was last week. I was so struck, Dr. Mills, by the vet who came to my mom's home and put down prints, and she cried with us. And we said, 
do you cry every time? And she said, I cry every time. She said, when I don't cry, I will stop doing this job. And it just, I thought, wow, she does this on a regular basis and she cries with these families. What does that do to a person? Well, Rose, first of all, I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, And that sounds like your dog Prince had such a great life and was so loved by your family. And I'm glad you all were able to be there with him at home when it was time to say that final goodbye. Um, It does take a toll. It, it is very difficult. It's very emotional. Um, Often for the vets, as much as it is for the owners. Um, So it, it is one of the things that does really lead to the difficulties that people ha- have staying in this profession and the unfortunate increase in the suicide rate that we do see in the veterinary profession. Wow. Uh, well, if you're a vet, you're amazing. I was just so struck by that. And we'd love to hear from you if you'd like to talk about the the challenges that you're facing and, and really what what can we do about this? Because... I mean, pets offer, they, they're, they're just amazing. They do, they do so much for our lives and our communities. And we really need to improve the situation. So what changes also would you like to see? And if you'd like to talk about what pet, your pet brings to your life and your family's life, if you recently adopted or fostered and you'd like to talk about your experience, you can give us a call at 866-798-8255. You can also email your call at org. Let's hear from a few callers. Let's go to Raid in Marin County. Hi, welcome to the show. Hey, Doc. Um, hi, Carolyn. It's nice to be on. How are you guys today? Hi, hanging in there. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I caught your show on the radio just commuting uh, over to Berkeley. And yeah, I have to say a lot of what you say rings true for myself and the three dogs that I own here. I moved out here to California from the Midwest. And honestly, what struck me when we first got out here to Marin County and tried to look for a vet, it was the first time this had ever happened to us. Um, but the first few vets we called said that they weren't taking on any new clients. And that was just a blow like, wow, a vet not taking on a new client. That was the first time I'd ever heard of it. Um, So that was very shocking in Marin County. And the things that we were looking for was uh, a surgery procedure for two of the dogs. And it's just mass removals, nothing cancerous or anything like that. And that's what we were told. But here in Marin County, the quote that we were given for just one of the dogs I'm not going to bore you with the details, but approached over to almost $2,000 and that didn't account for the medication afterwards. And then the other dog, the same thing. It was actually cheaper for my wife and I to plan a trip and drive back to the Midwest, stay at an Airbnb for a week, get the dog surgeries done, taken care of, hung out with some friends and some family during Thanksgiving, drive back here and staying along in hotels along the way. We didn't do it all in one night. And it was cheaper to do that than get the dogs their surgeries in Marin County. Wow. That was just, yeah, mind-blowing. And everybody I tell it to, and the way we did that, we got the bill from the from the vet in Marin, and we just sent it to our former vet back in Oklahoma, hollered to Trinity Veterinary Hospital if I can do that. Um, but, yeah, they, they looked at it. They gave us a quote, and they threw in a free teeth cleaning because the dog was going to be under anyway. Hmm. And it was all so much cheaper than just staying out here, so... I understand the struggles, especially for people who just get their pets. And I had just graduated college when I moved out here. So it was definitely not savings bundled up for anything major. But, yeah, if it wasn't for the veterinary offices that were back in the Midwest, I don't know what I would have done for the dogs. Well, well, thank you for calling in with that story, Raid. And I I think it speaks to a number of things, Carolyn. Uh, This area is just so incredibly expensive. And vets, obviously, we want vets to make a living wage to be able to pay their bills. But sometimes these fees are too high for the people who live here. So how do we deal with this? Really, it's, it's become a crisis. Absolutely. One thing that we always recommend to pet owners is investigating health insurance for your pets. Uh, And that insurance policy can help cover 
some of these unexpected procedures like mass removals. And there's lots of companies out there that are offering insurance. And so the best one really does depend on you and your pet and what you're looking for to have covered. But if more people had insurance, it could help provide a bit of a safety buffer when these unexpected big bills come up. So we do talk to a lot of people, especially new adopters, about investigating that and potentially adding that insurance uh, to, to their pet. This might be a tough question for you to answer. I'm, I'm looking this up right now, but what is the average cost of pet insurance for someone who lives in the Bay Area? Do you know? Yeah, that varies widely. Uh, all the different insurance companies offer different packages, different types of coverages. It's going to depend on your deductible and co-payment um, and then how old your pet is when you enroll it. Typically, these plans are less expensive for younger animals who aren't expected to have such high medical costs immediately. So I would say it could vary anywhere on the low end, roughly $30 a month for a young healthy cat all the way up to I mean I've seen them go quite high um, but for a young healthy average dog I would guess somewhere between 70 to 100 dollars a month and again there's a lot of factors in there so please please don't quote me on that but I do recommend that people investigate uh, what might work for for their family and where they are currently. Carolyn there are that many pet insurance companies out there? There really are. I know I just added a new dog to my family and I had insurance for my last dog. And I myself was even taken aback by how many options there were in the span of the last decade since I got my last dog to when I got this one. Uh, so many new companies coming up and offering different sorts of riders and different uh, coverages on their plans. Wow. Dr. Mills, before we go to break, do you have any other tips for people who might have pets and are concerned about the high cost of vet care or people who would love to adopt but are concerned about the high costs? I would have to reiterate what Carolyn said. She's really spot on with the pet insurance. I think right now, given the increases in care that we're seeing, it's probably the most prudent option for a current or potential pet owner to consider. And again, echoing what Carolyn said, looking at the different plans, reading the fine print, making sure you understand what is and isn't is and is not covered is important just with any other insurance. Where can people go to find resources? I mean, are there resources out there for low income people, for elders, for people with disabilities? Dr. Mills, is there a place where people can go to find resources? So we have some resources listed on our website. We also, and I have to give a big shout out to um, to Carolyn and East Bay SPCA, which is one of our partners that they, they do work with uh, lower income, with seniors, um, people in need, and, and we support some of the work that they do through our animal benefit fund to help them cover some of those costs when we have uh, citizens in Contra Costa County that are looking at the potential of having to relinquish an animal due to medical or other care requirements that we can give them a call and see if they're able to assist that pet owner. So those the shelters, the such as ourselves, the municipal shelter, uh, the private nonprofit shelters like East Bay SBCA in our area, going to their websites, and most of us will have a lot of our resources listed on our web pages. And it might be a good idea to call your local shelter to find out if they know of any programs. There's a program for people who live in Rohnert Park or Katadi called Silver Paws. It's a vet assistance program for low-income seniors and the pets they love. So you never know what's out there, but it's just so important to call and ask because there are a lot of programs. And we will link to these programs at yourcallradio.org. 
Dr. Kathy Mills is Chief of Shelter Medicine at Contra Costa Animal Services. For the month of March, they are waiving adoption fees to qualified homes. A $25 license fee may apply. Carolyn Aronow is Vice President of Operations at the East Bay Society for the Prevention of Animal Cruelty. If you have been thinking about adopting or fostering a pet, now is a great time to do it because shelters are full, some are overwhelmed, and are considering euthanasia for the first time in years. That's how serious this is. So please spread the word. This is your call. We'll be back after this. This is your call. I'm Rose Aguilar. Coming up tomorrow, it's our media roundtable. We'll discuss coverage of Dominion's $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against Fox. We'll also talk about the chemical attacks in girls' schools in Iran. If you have a show idea or a guest idea, you can email yourcall at kalw.org. And if you'd like to join today's show... We are talking about the importance of adopting or fostering a pet, especially now because shelters are full. And you can join us at 866-798-8255. You can also email your call at KALW.org. Carolyn Aronow is Vice President of Operations at the East Bay Society for the Prevention of Animal Cruelty. Dr. Kathy Mills is Chief of Shelter Medicine at Contra Costa Animal Services. They are waiving adoption fees through the month of March. A $25 license fee may apply. There's dogs, cats, rabbits, and guinea pigs. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little later in the show. Uh, we have a number of callers waiting, so let's go back to the calls. Let's go to Ed in San Francisco. Hi, Ed. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Okay, well, I just wanted to say I haven't uh, had I had a dog when I was a couple of dogs when I was a kid, but I haven't. I'm in my seventies now, and I hadn't had a pet until a few years ago. I got it from the uh, SBCA. We actually got two of them, but they were tearing the house apart, and so we uh, we gave one of them back, which I regret actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's wonderful to wake up in the morning and have the cat waiting for you, and uh, he's really happy that you're feeding him and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, he likes he likes to watch television with me and uh, and all that stuff. It's just uh, it's just it's just Joe. I think I'd probably uh, because I'm not working at the moment. I'd probably be wasting the morning. Instead, I'm up at seven in the morning to feed the cat. I just I think it's just a wonderful experience. Hmm. I'm just sorry I didn't keep the other one. Ah, well, thank you so much, Ed. That's a great story. And again, if you have stories you'd like to share about what your pet means to you and brings to your life, I just so many things. You're making me miss our family dog, Prince, a.k.a. Princess. Uh, thank you for the call, Ed. Let's go next to Leah of San Leandro. Hi, Leah. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. First of all, this has made me emotional. I was actually sitting in my car watching, waiting for the street cleaner, and I, and I started listening, and I was crying. Because I've always been an advocate for neutering and helping animals that need help. And now I'm 72 with a cat that was one of six and two dogs. And I've watched that cat go through the loss of every one of those animals. Mm. And also wondering, you know, I'm 72. I mean, am I going to be here in 10 years or 20 years? My cat's 19 years old right now. Wow. And I was on the way for the to have him put to sleep because it sounded awful. And on the way there, I could, you know, y'all can laugh, but I swear that cat said, not now. Aww. And I called the doctor, and I turned around and came home, and it's two and a half years later. And even though I have always been so involved in loving animals and giving all the love and rescuing all of that, the last two and a half years with a cat taught me more about the love inside me that I didn't even know I had. And that's been my whole mission was to open up my heart in life. So don't forget that animals do have a lot of emotion and they're not just something you can let go of that easily. It's a, just such a learning experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, get involved. I used to rescue animals. This, this is where this cat came from. It was born in Burbank in her garage, and the mother left the night that they were born, and I raised two. 
And when I went to foster him, I broke down and cried because I loved him so much. So just love an animal because they'll love you back. Mm. Oh, so, so sweet. Thank you so much for calling in, Leah. Uh, Dr. Mills, so many people can relate to what Leah is saying about her love for her cat. Absolutely. I, I can totally relate to it. Um, I've got my four at home and along with my three dogs. So, um, yeah, it's, it's the connection that they give us, the meaning they give us, the other caller, you know, the, the pet gets them up in the morning as opposed to just lying in bed longer. I mean, those are all really important things for all of us to have those animals, people, activities, whatever it is. Obviously, we're talking about the pets here, but that keep us engaged, that touch our heart, that really bring out the best of us. Mm. And that's, to me, is what it's all about. Yes. Carolyn, would you like to add anything? Yeah, you know, we've talked about some of the challenges of being in this profession, but my favorite part of it is getting to watch and help grow these relationships between people and their pets. And anyone you ask will tell you that their pet is the best one in the world. And they're all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and getting to to hear that and see that passion and the love that's shared in these families is is really incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks again, Leah. Really amazing story. We have an email from a listener who says, can you please describe how foster programs work? Dr. Mills, do you want to take that first? Sure, absolutely. And foster programs can vary with the organization. So every organization is going to have their own foster program, foster requirements, that type of thing. So um, want to give that little caveat at the beginning. Our foster program and foster programs, we have animals that are eligible to be fostered. And that animal, you get to meet it and it goes home with you for a period of time. And what it does is it helps in situations where shelters are overcrowded. So it helps make space for other animals that are coming into the shelter. If we can have you caring for an animal in your home, it gets that animal out of a shelter environment, which can be crowded, loud, um, frightening for a lot of animals. So it gets it into a quieter place where it can uh, decompress, get some good sleep, have some love, affection, Foster care also allows for the shelter to get more information about that pet that helps it to get adopted. Fosters are wonderful at taking videos, posting them, um, sending pictures back to us that we can put on our social media and say, you know, meet this dog, look at him snoring on the couch in his foster home. Wouldn't you like to be cuddled up? on this rainy weekend we have coming with this dog. Um, You know, those types of things. It helps us with our medical cases. Sometimes we have animals that are going to be with us for maybe a longer period of time and we're recovering from a surgery or something like that. And we would like them to get out into a home instead of being here in the shelter all that time. It helps with baby kittens who are not old enough to be adopted yet. And we just need them to have care until they're old enough to be spayed and neutered and get a, get a forever family. What are the qualifications in order to foster? So generally we have like here at Contra Costa, we have our fosters sign up to be as a volunteer and then they show their interest in being a foster, either a cat foster or cat kitten foster or a dog foster. And um, then they have a conversation with 
the people who are in charge of those programs. Uh, we have training in terms of if you're going to be a bottle baby kitten foster and have not done that before, we try to get you through training so you know what to expect or with other young kittens. Um, so qualifications are uh, having love in your heart, the the time commitments, the space commitments for us being in our county, generally not always. Um, some of that has to do just with after hours emergency medical care and where we're able to provide that, making sure that people can get to those places. So there again, qualifications um, is generally being able to safely care for the animal that you take home. Well, thank you for that information. And again, if you would like to adopt or foster, contact a shelter in your area. Now is really the time to do it because so many shelters are just overwhelmed with animals. Uh, we have a, I'm so glad you brought this up, Cam, a very important email from Cam. One of the problems in American society, Cam writes, are celebrities and influencers buying designer dogs along with film, TV, and print ad producers using purebred dogs. People see them and think, that's the dog I want to have. Imagine a world where shelter dogs were regularly seen on a leash in the arms of someone having millions of followers on social media. A shelter dog used in a popular feature film instead of a purebred because the director and the producers have a vision of a chihuahua, French bulldog, etc. Small gestures, which would do so much to save the life of a dog scheduled for euthanasia by week's end. I'm glad Cam brought this up, Carolyn, because, you know, I know of a lot of people who do buy from breeders. So can you talk about how common that is and you know, where are we right now? How many do we know what percentage of people are buying from breeders versus adopting? Yeah, sure. The statistics on this are always a little surprising to me, and it could just be because I work in animal welfare. And so I think the uh, percentage of people who adopt is much higher than it actually is, but it's still not a majority of the way that people acquire animals into their family. So we are, of course, advocates for adopting. Um, if you're not ready to adopt, fostering at least for a short time, again, like Dr. Mills said, to help get those animals into a home environment. But we would love to work with some of these groups to um, do a better job promoting shelter animals and potentially mixed breed dogs. Um, right now, what we're seeing in the shelters in our local area and across the state are a high percentage of large breed dogs. We have a lot of German shepherds, a lot of huskies, a lot of pitties and pity mixes. And so getting some more opportunities to feature those dogs, which are incredibly intelligent and loving and uh, can be great family pets would be amazing. Dr. Mills, do you have anything to add? Uh, just that I concur with both the the comment from the listener and with Carolyn. Well, thank you so much. Such an important point to bring up, Cam. Uh, we've got a lot of emails about the costs of dogs. Uh, another listener writes, we've got two adopted dogs, one large, one midsize. In the past several months, pet food costs have gone up astronomically astronomically so much that we're now making dog food at home for one meal a day that saves wow $225 a month we have pet insurance but it doesn't cover routine costs the last time we had both in the bill was $1,700 including routine medicines there are a number of resources in San Francisco, including PAWS. Pets are wonderful support. I can't emphasize enough to support shelters. WAG works with senior dogs and Rocket Dog, just to name two, are wonderful. Even a $5 donation helps. Thank you so much for that, Linda. We have another email from a listener, a very touching show. I'd like to give a shout out to all the loving, caring, kind, and generous vets in the world. They do not get rich and it's a tough career to train for, expensive, plus their patients can't tell them what's wrong, so they must practically be psychics. All the vets we've ever gone to have been impressive. Yay for animal vets. Thank you so much, Ruby. Uh, we actually have an email from a listener who's 
child went through vet school. Dave writes, my daughter is in her second year of four of vet school in the LA area, a private medical university. Tuition is high. She says UC Davis would have been more expensive. Fortunately, we'll be able to cover three plus years of it. Thank you, Dave. And huge respect to your daughter for wanting to become a vet. We're talking a lot about vets. And I just wonder, Carolyn, what about the rest of the staff? Because it really is a labor of love. Um, and a lot of work for the rest of the staff at shelters. It is. And one of the great things about animal welfare organizations is not only do we have these incredible veterinarians, but we have an entire staff full of dedicated and highly trained professionals. We have behavior specialists who are all credentialed in their field. The East Bay SPCA has a dedicated social worker on staff to help with our financial assistance programs and ensure that not only the pets are getting what they need, but we can also help care for their people and their families, make sure that everyone in that relationship is cared for. We have humane educators who, again, are credentialed and are very skilled at raising the next generation of animal welfare advocates and providing education about empathy and humane values. So at these organizations, not only do we just have veterinarians, but we have animal care staff, all of the staff that care for the actual animals at the shelter, but then also all of these other departments that help play a critical role in Uh, making sure that the animals in our community have a high level of welfare. We have an email from Ranji who says, my 15-year-old daughter has her heart set on being a vet. Her dedication to this goal has been consistent for three years now, and she's begun her focus on science courses at her high school. We've been seeking an opportunity for her to volunteer with animals for years, and there isn't anything we've had luck in finding without parent supervision. Any ideas for her to get the practice and exposure so she can more effectively consider her go-forward career choice as she starts choosing a college? Any tips, Dr. Mills? I would say that that is something that does get to be difficult in that a lot of organizations will want you to um, have parental approval when animals are or per- have the parents there with. Um, I would say uh, looking at other organizations, Carolyn can probably certainly speak to what they might have going. I know they used to have their animal camps. Um, I don't know if they still have those. Um, Organizations, even like 4-H, that can um, help pair a, a young person with a private practice veterinarian um, are different ways, even talking with your local vet to see, hey, can I come in and just watch you do a surgery or watch you do your appointments um, are things that can sometimes be done. So uh, just look for any opportunity that they can. Yeah, and I'm happy to speak to this. At East Bay SPCA, young people between the ages of 10 and 15 are welcome to volunteer as part of an adult child team. As soon as they turn 16, they're actually able to volunteer independently. And then within that range of ages, we also do have a robust humane education program that includes our Shelter Scout program, which is a volunteer program focused on young adults and uh, individuals in our community between the ages of 8 and 17. And then we have lots of camps and other programs. So you can find all of that information on our website, eastbayspca.org. And uh, I would certainly recommend to this person who wrote in to go look up some of those opportunities and um, that way their child can get a feel for it. All right. Well, thank you for those resources. Uh, We just got a tweet from John who works at Marin Humane. John says, yes, many good dogs are being put down. With COVID winding down, a lot of people are returning their COVID pet. It is sad, but on a happy note, this dog was adopted last week or this week, Caldra the wolf dog. And John posted a few photos, such a beautiful dog and Merlin, a dog we fostered. Thank you for these great photos, John. And thank you for writing in. Let's hear from another caller who's been waiting patiently. Let's go to Francis in Santa Cruz. Hi, Francis. Hi, thank you uh, for taking my call. Uh, A wonderful program. 
Uh, it you. reminds me that some years ago, uh, my partner was sick w uh, with cancer, and he very much wanted to have cats. And I was opposed to it because of the commitment, the expense. And uh, I gave in because he was ill, and we got a couple of cats. A couple of years later, he died uh, during uh, covid it's been wonderful having uh, having the pets to have someone at the door. Uh, and now I've been with the cats longer than I was with my partner. Mm. Oh, thank you, Francis. I'm so sorry to hear about your partner. Uh, but another incredible story, Dr. Mills, about what animals bring to our lives, especially in, in times of, of, of extreme sadness. Absolutely. And I, I think all of us that are pet owners know that our pets love us on the good days, the bad days, the difficult days. They're just always there for us. And um, that is one of the, the beauties of them. Mm. Uh, thank you, Francis, for calling in and sharing your story. We have a question from Sarah who says, I'd love to have a dog, but I have a chronic illness and would be unable to walk the dog often enough, and I cannot afford to hire someone to do this. Do you have any suggestions? Carolyn? Sure. This is one of those situations where coming in and potentially volunteering at a shelter so that you can still get the benefits of engaging with uh, some animals, but, you know, aren't the sole caregiver for them could be a great idea. We offer not only our traditional foster, but short-term fosters that are either just sleepovers or field trips. And so if that's something that you feel up to, again, that can be another way to come in and get benefits for you and then also give so much back to the animals in our shelter. Dr. Mills, anything to add? And do you know of specifically programs for people with disabilities that would like to adopt an animal? I don't know of any specific programs for people with disabilities. Um, I do think that if you work with your community shelter, whether it's your municipal shelter or a private nonprofit, and discuss what your needs are in a pet, what kind of care you can or might not be able to give, it's very possible that they can match you with an appropriate pet in their shelter. So I would say the most important thing is to make contact if you have that desire and talk to them and it may be that they have the perfect match for you. Um, don't assume that because you can't go out for daily walks uh, on a regular basis that, that there still isn't a pet that would be the right pet for you. All have right, the well, conversation. I, all right. Well, I, I hope that that helps you, Sarah. Thank you for writing in. Pauline writes a shout out to the marvelous SF Muttville senior dogs are the best. Thank you for that. We're, we're almost out of time. Uh, and I'm just wondering where you see this going, Dr. Mills. Uh, again, you are chief of shelter medicine at Contra Costa Animal Services, and you're already crowded. You have an average daily intake of nearly 20 animals a day. That is a lot at just one shelter. It is. It's it's. Uh, overwhelming at times. We are grateful to our community of adopters, which includes not only our county, but the Bay Area and beyond. We're grateful to the rescues and transfer partners and other organizations such as East Bay SPCA that we work with that pull animals from our shelter to their own and find them, help to find them homes. Um, but it is a daunting situation. I think as a community of uh, rescues, shelters, veterinarians, people in the industry, we're starting to have more serious conversations about where is the need? How do we meet the need to help prevent animals from coming back into shelters as they currently are. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, I am hopeful that we've got great minds, including those up at UC Davis, that can help us uh, find the path forward to really be serving our community, uh, the citizens and the animals. Carolyn, final thoughts from you. We've got about a minute left. Absolutely. I just want to echo everything that Dr. Mills said and make sure that all of our listeners today know that no matter who you are or how you got your animal, your local animal welfare organization is there to support you. And so if there's anything you need, please do reach out. Uh, We didn't get to talk much about behavior support today, but that's the other major concern with pets right now is making sure that they're behaviorally um, ready for a family. And our organization, East Bay SPC, and others in the area have lots of credentialed trainers ready to assist with any behavioral challenges. And then our medical programs, of course, are the other ones we've talked about. So please do reach out if there's anything that we can do to help you keep your pet in your family. Carolyn Aronow is Vice President of Operations at the East Bay SPCA. Dr. Kathy Mills is Chief of Shelter Medicine at Contra Costa Animal Services. For the month of March, dogs, cats, rabbits, and guinea pigs at the Contra Costa Animal Services are free to qualified homes. A $25 license fee may apply. Carolyn and Dr. Mills, thank you both so much for your work, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much, and thanks to all of our listeners for your support and especially any financial support you are able to give our organization so we can keep doing this important work. Thank you so much. And you can find links at yourcallradio.org. And again, be sure to spread the word. Now is a great time to adopt or foster a pet as shelters are full. Thanks to BSOL for producing today's show. Thanks to Kevin Vance for engineering our show. And thank you so much for joining us. I'm Rose Aguilar. It's your call. 